Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Aaron, a lead pastor here for Riverwood. So, so glad you have joined us today. Hey, if you brought a Bible, would you go ahead and open it up to Mark chapter 4? If you're a first-time guest with us, we open up the scriptures every single week. Uh, so at Riverwood, we really don't care if you have a paper Bible or a digital Bible. We just want you to have a Bible in hand. If you don't have a Bible, we are going to have the scripture up on the screen, but I'd encourage you to take the time right now just to download a Bible to your phone, and that way the next time you join us, you'll be able to open up your Bible and be right with us there in Mark. As you're turning to Mark chapter four, I want to start with a question. Have you ever thought you understood something only to discover later just how wrong you actually were? Uh, maybe you kind of had a crush on a certain someone, uh, one that thought that they felt the same way, you thought the relationship was going to go to the next level, and then you discovered that he or she in no way, shape, or form wanted any sort of relationship like that with you. Or maybe you went in for the job interview and you nailed it. And you walked away just knowing the job is mine, only to discover that they gave it to someone else. I, I think we've all experienced this when watching a, a movie. Uh, because occasionally there will be a movie that will be put out and you'll be tracking along with it, thinking you're understanding where it's going, what's happening. And then all of a sudden there's a twist at the end or someone tells you something after the movie that makes you suddenly see the movie in an entirely different way and you realize you were wrong about it. I even know that this is some people's spiritual journey. There are people that I know who for a time in their life, they believed there was no God. I mean, they were convinced of it. And then along came a time when they realized just how wrong they were that not only was there a God, but the whole Jesus story was true. I bring this up because this past week, I kind of had an experience like that. Uh, I, something that I thought I knew, and it turned out that this week I discovered I was wrong. And that moment actually began last fall. Uh, last November, I took my annual spiritual retreat where for 48 hours I, I get away and part of that retreat, I will plan my preaching calendar for the entire next year. And so I got away to the solitude cabin at Pine Lake Christian Camp and I remember I pull out my Bible and one of the things I wanted to do is I wanted to study the book of Mark. I, I, it'd been several months, if not a little over a year that I wanted to study Mark together as a church family. So I'm in the book of Mark and as I'm working through things, I thought I came up with a brilliant idea I thought it would be really kind of cool and different to study the parable of the soils for Easter Sunday. If you were with us for Easter, you might remember that we did it as a short film. And so we, we did that. Well, as I was looking at the parable of the soils and I'm putting everything together, I saw a break between verse 20 and verse 21. And so that just seemed like a very natural place to, to end. But if you have your Bible there, you'll notice what verse 21 says. Uh, Mark 4, 21 says, And he, this is Jesus, said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? As soon as I read those words, I thought to myself, ah, I know what this is about. This is the parable of the lamp. I, I, I know this parable. In fact, I know the song. You know, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. And so I, I knew this is a whole new sermon. So I cut off at verse 20 for the parable of the uh, soils for Easter Sunday. And I scheduled here for May 24th, starting in Mark 4, verses 21 through 25. So this past Tuesday, I looked at my preaching calendar. I saw that I was set to do Mark 4, verses 21 through 25. I pull out my Bible and I start reading. And as I start working through it, I discover that I had been wrong about the passage. 
Today, I want to invite you onto the journey with me of discovering that today's passage really isn't the parable of the lamp, but rather today, I hope that you will discover the lamp to the parables. So as we get ready to go to Mark 4, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as I get ready to teach, I pray that you would be the teacher and that even though it is my voice that people would hear, that it would be your Holy Spirit who would take these words and you'd penetrate the hearts and minds of those listening. Because God, I don't want this to be about me or, or me trying to be clever. I want you to penetrate the hearts of your people, the hearts of those listening, so that they begin to understand what you're trying to accomplish through the parables and they might understand them more and more. And so Lord, I pray that you would be our teacher today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, to understand the spiritual journey that I went on this week, we need to read the passage. So join me. Mark 4, starting in verse 21. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket, or under a bed, and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now, most weeks I will try and peek at some other translations just to make sure that I, I have a broader understanding of what's here. And so as I looked at other translations, I noticed that they did the exact same thing that my English Standard Version did. They, they put a break between verse 20 and verse 21. In fact, a couple of them I looked at, they even stuck in a little subtitle saying the parable of the lamp. And, and, and it's understandable why they would do that. I mean, verse 21 is obviously all about a lamp. Uh, but kids, you need to understand that Jesus is not talking about the kind of lamp that's probably there in your living room or maybe in your bedroom where you walk over and you kind of turn the switch and the light turns on. No, back in Jesus's day, a lamp was more like a candle. It probably was a, a clay pot where some oil had been poured in and then some sort of wick would be put in it and the wick would be lit and the oil would soak up onto that wick and the oil was what would be burned. Now, when I learned that when I was a kid, that this was a, a, actually more like a candle, I suddenly got really concerned about the next part of the verse because Jesus talks about a basket being put over it. And so I thought an open flame would catch the basket on fire and now your whole house is burning down. Actually, Jesus is not trying to play Smokey the Bear here. He's actually talking about a type of basket that's very, very large. In fact, the word, it refers to a type of basket or even a bowl that would be used to measure dry goods, like a, a large amount of them. So Jesus is imagining a really large basket being put on top of this lamp. And so what would happen is the basket itself probably would not catch on fire, but the oxygen inside would slowly be used up by the flame and fire needs oxygen to burn and so eventually the fire would go out. Uh, the same with the bed. Uh, kids, the, you can't imagine like your bed. It, it, Jesus didn't have a bed that was up on a bed frame or up on posts risen off the ground. Otherwise, you'd have in your head the, the idea of this flame going underneath the bed and your whole box spring catching on fire. No, for Jesus, a, a, a bed was a, th this kind of thin thing, a, a mat down on the floor. And maybe they'd find ways to create padding and that. But basically, you would throw it on top of this flame and it would snuff it out immediately. Again, Jesus is talking about the fire, the flame, the light being put out. 
That's why he then points out that, no, what you do is instead of covering it where eventually it will go out and everything become dark, you want to put it on a stand where it has plenty of oxygen and it can burn and the light is cast throughout the entire room. And so Jesus then continues on and he says this in verse 22. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Uh, this is playing right along with what he just said. Just as a candle, uh, a lamp is not to be put underneath a basket to be put in darkness. You, you want to bring it out. Same, there's these things in light, these, these secret, these things that are hidden, they're supposed to be made manifest. They're supposed to be revealed. They're supposed to be brought to light. And that's when then Jesus finishes his little parable with verse 23. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, in my study... I'm working through this, and I reach verse 23, and it made me pause. Uh, Jesus really likes this phrase, by the way. Uh, he uses it often, but every time he uses it, he basically is saying this. You just heard me say a lot of things. You think you know what I just said, but you're stuck at the surface. There's something far deeper that I just said, and I'm just letting you know you got to pay attention. You got to think this through. You need to listen. So I paused and I thought to myself, is it possible that I'm missing something here? That this isn't so much a parable of the lamp about how I need to let my light shine before others? Is, is something else going on? And so I did what I encourage you to do. I put the passage into context. Uh, basically, whenever I tell you to put it into context, in other words, when you look at a verse or you look at a passage, what came just before it and what comes right after it? Because sometimes when you isolate a passage, you look at it outside of its context, you will misunderstand what is being communicated, what is being taught. But when you put it into context, you see the flow, you begin to understand probably better what the author, what God intended for you to get. So I put it into context. So let me ask you, what comes just before this passage? Now, if I had just taught the passage last week, you, you might be able to recall, but it was five and a half weeks ago. It was actually Easter Sunday when we taught it. Maybe that will jog your memory. Yeah, the parable of the soils, as I mentioned in my intro. And, and so the parable of the soils is, is what comes before this. If you're not familiar with the parable of the soils, there are these four soils where this farmer walks out and he starts scattering his seed to, to, you know, farm. And yet some of the seed falls on really, really hard soil, like a path. And so the seed can't get down in the ground and birds come and, and snatch it up. And then the next type of soil is this really shallow soil. There's rocks down deep underneath. And, and so the, the seed can't really grow roots to get deep. So there's just enough soil for the roots to go. But then when the sun comes out, the roots aren't deep enough and, and the plant shrivels up and dies. Uh, then the third type of soil is this thorny soil. There's these weeds, these thorns that are growing and, and they choke out the plant. And so it grows, but it can't produce any fruit. And then the final soil that we heard about was this, this good soil where the, the seed is able to be captured and the roots can go deep and a great glorious plant grows and then you get a, a bountiful crop. Well, Jesus, as he's uh, uh, teaching this, excuse me, as he's teaching this, he doesn't go right into verses 21. Remember, the parable is back in verses one through nine of chapter four. What is in 10 through 20? It's his explanation. You've got to remember that the disciples, in verse 10, they went to Jesus and they basically in secret were saying, Jesus, sorry, but 
we don't get it. It's almost like they're saying, uh, we realize there's some sort of truth here. There's something underlying. It's like a lamp, but it's hidden. And there's a little bit of light leaking out. So we know there's something there. Could you tell us what it means? (laughs) Jesus actually gets after them a little bit. In verse 13, he says, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? But because Jesus cares for his disciples, he begins to explaining it, starting in verse 14. And he starts telling them what the whole entire thing is about. What if he doesn't end at verse 20? What if verse 21 isn't a break into something new, but it's the continuation of that conversation? That as he gets done explaining the parable, he goes back to what he was just saying, and he says, a lamp is to be put is a lamp to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? In other words, guys, I told you a parable. I expect you to understand it. I expect it to bring light to your life. It's not supposed to remain hidden. It needs to be brought out. When you approach it that way, suddenly this starts to make even more sense. And for me, it started to make verses 24 and 25 make more sense. Verse 24 starts this way. And he, again, this being Jesus, and he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. What if Jesus is saying there in verse 25, guys, if you will peer into this parable, if you'll really begin to ponder, if you'll pay attention to what you hear, you'll begin to understand that this really wasn't about just four soils, that something else is going on. And he's saying, once you start to understand one, you'll begin to understand more of them. More will be given to you. It's kind of like those 3D eye pictures. Anyone remember those magic eye pictures? They were really popular back when I was in high school and in college. Uh, they, they looked like abstract art, just a bunch of color and streaks, and it kind of looked digitized. Maybe a computer was really, really bad at art. But then when you really peer through it, you suddenly begin to see a 3D image appear. Uh, my mom uh, was a school teacher, and so through the scholastic system, she was able to get me uh, several books. I think I had two or three. And it got to the point that I could just look at it and see it right away. But it wasn't that way on the first time. I remember, I, I think I was looking at it with one of my cousins in a mall. And he's telling me, you got to look through it. And I'm, I'm staring at it, going cross-eyed. And it was really, really frustrating. And finally, I saw the 3D image. But over time, because of those books, I could just turn the page and immediately see the image. My eyes just knew how to adjust. I think that's what it was like for Jesus' disciples and his parables. At first, they don't get it. It's taking some work. They're peering into it. But over time, they begin to see it more and more and more. More was given to them. But why was it that didn't make sense to them right away? Why was it that I, in looking at verses 21 and 22, kind of wasn't getting it right away? Because of what he says there in verse 24. Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You see, when I approached verses 21 and 22, I think I wasn't quite getting it. Because I'll confess, the measure I was using was the measure of me. I I was approaching it from a selfish standpoint. I'm looking at it, okay, well, here's a parable. The parables are supposed to be the stories of the point. So what's the point? What's it supposed to tell me about my life? 
But I think that's the wrong measure because I think Jesus says that's the wrong measure. I think Jesus has a different measure for his parables. So what is his measure? Well, let's discover it by going back to the previous parable. Remember, we just had a parable about the parable of the soils. But let me ask you a question. Is that parable really about soil? I mean, it seems like it. I mean, these four different types of soil are, are described, but there's four different types of soil. What's the one constant throughout the story? The seed. And Jesus tells us right there in chapter 4, verse 14, that the seed is the word. And as we saw in the Easter sermon, the word is the word of God. It's the gospel. The gospel means good news. It's the good news that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever would believe in this one man who lived the only sinless life the world has ever seen. And yet he went to the cross and died a criminal's death. And by doing so, he took the penalty that all of us should have taken for our sin against a holy God. And by absorbing God's wrath to, against that sin, we're allowed to go free. God loves us so much. He took the penalty for us. This is good news. This is the gospel. And that is the seed that needs to get planted in the soil. And so suddenly the parable isn't just about these four soils. It's about how these four soils receive the seed. Because there are people who, when they hear the gospel, they're hard-hearted against it. It sounds foolish. It's ridiculous. They will not receive it. Other people, they hear it. They're curious. They want it, but they don't let it go deep into their life. So as soon as life gets hard, it just kind of shrivels up and they're moving on to other things. Many of us, we, we allow the things of life to choke out like thorns, whether it be our jobs, or our families, our schedules, our Netflix, whatever it is, we allow it to choke it out and we just aren't seeing fruit in our lives. What Jesus wants is for us to fully surrender, for him to remove the rocks, to remove the thorns so that we can be good as soil and his gospel can come into our life and it can take root and grow something great and we produce fruit. So I believe the measure that Jesus is telling us to use for his parables is the gospel because it's all about the gospel. The reason Jesus came wasn't just to tell us these parables. The reason he came was to go to the cross to die for our sins so we could be made free. And all of his ministry, all of his teaching was to help direct us to that. Because you see, the gospel, it is the thing that we crave. It, it, it is the, the thing that all good stories resonate with. It, it is the linchpin of history. It's the linchpin of our lives. It's the linchpin of our faith. Kids, if you don't know what a linchpin is, a linchpin is this pin that would hold a wheel onto the axle of a wagon. It's used in all sorts of other applications, but that was one of the first. And so this linchpin was needed and necessary, and you needed a strong linchpin. If you didn't have a strong linchpin or the linchpin was removed, the wheel would fall off and the wagon would crash. Too many people are trying to go through life looking for some sort of linchpin to sort of connect them to God, to connect them to happiness, to connect them to joy and peace. But they're trying to go through it through relationships. That's their linchpin, but that's going to break. They try and go through it through money or, or a job, but that's going to break. They try and go through it through their hobby or entertainment or, or even substances, but those things fail. They break and the wheels come off and we crash. But the gospel is the only linchpin that can hold us to the triune God because Jesus went and paid it all for us. 
So Jesus is saying, the measure that I want you to use is the gospel. And when you use the gospel and take that into the parables, you no longer approach the parables for how can I twist this to fit my life? Instead, because the gospel is the linchpin of your life, you begin to look at how is the Bible trying to twist my life so that I conform to what God calls me to. So I just caution you, don't do the mistake that I made and come to this and say, oh, the parable of the lamp. Oh, what is this about me? Instead, would you come to it and say, what is this trying to teach me about the gospel? Because the gospel is the lamp of the parables. So God, I pray that you would illuminate all of your scripture and all of your parables to us through your gospel. Father, you you tell us that when we put our faith in you, you seal us with the Holy Spirit. You give us yourself, your very presence. And so Lord, help us to think with the mind of Christ, to be moved and motivated by your spirit. And by doing so, we would have all things illuminated to us so that when we come to the scriptures, we understand what you're teaching. As we heard Bridget teach, this this document is beautiful. It's God-breathed and it's useful for training and teaching and correcting and rebuking us in righteousness so that we would be thoroughly equipped to do the work that you call us to do. So God, help us to fall more and more in love with you through the gospel, that it be the linchpin that keeps us connected to you, our creator, so that you might make us good soil, you would grow something great in our life. So Lord, help us to bring a lens to the scriptures, not of self. Instead, let us look at it through the lens of the gospel and let you shine your light into our life. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.